Okay. Uh, we were supposed to have already been through with Islam, but uh, last week, you know, I wasn't here, so uh, we're going to finish up Islam tonight, and then uh, next week we'll be beginning on Roman Catholicism, so be in prayer for that. It will be a little bit different flavor than some of the other ones we've looked at and stuff, uh, but I hope you'll, you'll be a part of that. Um, take your Bibles, if you would, tonight and turn to First uh, Timothy chapter 1, and I hope you got the, the outlines that I provided for you back there that Donna copied for, for you. Um, we have studied together the, a, a few weeks ago. The first thing I shared with you was the five pillars of Islam. We talked about what those were. Then if you remember, we went into what Islam teaches about Jesus, about Allah, about the Quran, And uh, so that sort of set the, the foundation for, for that. So tonight we're going we're gonna to close this out by by looking at another set of their beliefs that, that are crucial to them. It's important to them. Uh, and when I say that, they, these are actually um, beliefs or, or, or um, articles of faith that every faithful Muslim abides by. And uh, to be a Muslim, you must believe in all six of these. All six of these. Um, again, just, just to, to give you a flavor here, Muslim, uh, Islam is a very uh, strict faith, and it, it, it really does not allow for deviation. There, there are two basic groups. There, there are. Anybody know those two basic groups that you see? What are somebody? Sunnis, one of them. What's the other one? Say it. I can't even hear you. Shiites, yes, okay, <laughs> okay, um, the two basic ones, but but all of them, all Muslims hold to the the five pillars that we looked at, and now these six articles that we're going to look at, and uh, you, they, their their teachers are called imams, and uh, they may teach a slight variation in the application of these things, uh, but they are not allowed to vary to have any variation in supposedly the meaning of these things, and so. Uh, I mean, it's a very stringent thing. Well, we, we would teach the priest to the believer that, that you are a priest before God and the Holy Spirit teaches you. Again, they would go back to the old way of teaching that, that you must have a properly taught imam and he will tell you what to believe, how to believe it, and then how to apply it in your life. So I want us to begin by just looking at, again at Paul's, Paul's words at the beginning of his letter to Timothy. And uh, starting with verse 3. And he'll say several things in here, but I want you to, just, I'll point out what I want you really to, 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 to concentrate on, on this as far as a believer. So he says, I, I urge you when I went to Macedonia, remain in Ephesus that you may, you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine. I want you to focus on that. Doctrine means teachings. And, and, and the uh, standing alone it, it just that's exactly what it means teaching what you when you apply uh, something before you have biblical doctrine you have islamic doctrine you have mormon doctrine so uh, it depending on what you put before the word doctrine is what you're talking about the teachings that apply to that group clearly here paul is telling the young pastor timothy that he is to teach biblical doctrine no other doctrine but that the doctrine that he had received he goes on to explain this in verse 4. He said, Nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies which cause disputes rather than godly edification which is, which is in faith. 
Now, the purpose of, of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from a sincere faith, from which some, having strayed, have turned aside to idle talk, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor the things which they affirm. So he talks about those who, who have risen to the height of being a teacher, maybe having some followers, but really not understanding what the law means, what the truth is. And so what do they do? They turn it into, in comparison to sound biblical doctrine, they turn it into what Paul calls fables. So it's either sound biblical doctrine or the other category, no matter what it is, falls into the category of being fables. Everybody got that? There's one truth. There's not many truths. There are many who will tell you there are many ways to God. There are not many ways to God. Jesus is the only way to the Father, according to the Scripture. And there's only one holy book that is pure, that is infallible, that is inerrant, that comes from God himself. And that is the Bible. Everybody got that? Okay. So when you hear me say Islam's holy book, that's not my conclusion that it's a holy book. That's, that's in reference to how they look at the Koran. Okay. So uh, he goes on in verse 8. says, but we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. He goes on to say, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous person, but for a lawless and insubordinate, for the ungodly and for the sinners, for the unholy, the profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers and man, manslayers, for fornicators, for sodomites, for kidnappers, for liars, for perjurers. And then the last part of this, and if there is any other that is contrary to sound doctrine. So what is the standard, according to what Paul is saying here, for what we consider to be either unsound or sound doctrine? Somebody. What's the standard? Huh? No, it's not a pure life. Okay. An impure life shows that you're not applying sound doctrine. Okay. What is the standard for when you read something, when you read the Koran, when you read the Book of Mormon, when you read the Pearl of Great Price, when you read the, 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 uh, the uh, articles, when we talk about the, the Roman Catholic Church that, are, uh, that the magisterium has put together, what is the standard by which you, you determine whether it's sound doctrine or not? The Word of God. The Word of God. Okay? And so anything other, any, 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 any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine... It, it, or opposed to sound doctrine. It's interesting that he puts this in the same category of these, what we would call major sins, right? He talks about all these major sins, and then he just, he throws this in there at the bottom and says, anything that's opposed or contrary to sound doctrine fits right in the same category as these things. Why? Why do you suppose that's true? If I was to give you this list and say, would these things, would the, would the continual... Um, practicing of these things, would it send you to hell? What would your answer be? Yes, it would. According to Paul, he said, those who practice these things will not see the kingdom of heaven. Does that mean that someone who has done these things is automatically going to hell? No, because you understand the difference between one who practices, one who's committed, and has found forgiveness in Christ Jesus. These things separate you from God. They are evidence that you don't... The point would be that they're evidence that you don't know God if you continually practice these things. John said in his epistle, if you say that you, are, you belong to God and you practice all these things, then you're a liar. 
In other words, a born-again Christian may commit these things, but a born-again Christian cannot practice these things. Cannot, this cannot be the way they live their life and not know Christ. So here's my point. What about sound doctrine? Or what about unsound doctrine? Is a belief in unsound doctrine something that's dangerous? Don't you think that it is? It's very crucial. If someone was to say, I'm going to go get my doctrine from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Would you be comfortable with their, with their eternity and their salvation? What if they knew it? What if they trusted it? What if they were sincere in it? Would you be comfortable in that? I would say the same thing. We'll get it. I don't like to get people mad, but I'm just, I'd say the same thing when you talk about pure Roman Catholic doctrine. You would have a real problem with that, too, if you believe what the Scripture says. And certainly when it comes to Islam, the same thing is true. Remember what they said about Jesus. Jesus is not the Son of God, nor is Jesus God. Nor did Jesus ever die upon a cross. No Muslim who believes these things has any hope of eternity. Which is not something that I say gleefully, but so that you know, so that we as a Christian church know that these groups that are out there, they desperately need the gospel. And the worst thing that a Christian can do is say, you know what, they have their sincere faith. They can, you know, they're okay as long as they believe sincerely. And I've heard Christians say that about all the different faith groups out there. You know, they're sincere, they believe, and, and God's going to find a way to get them into heaven. Listen, God's already found the way. So for the church, as we, we examine these teachings, it's not just a matter of saying, oh, we're right and they're wrong. It really is a place where we say, you know what, these people desperately need Jesus. And the truth is, if we believe what we say we believe, if they don't have the Jesus of the Bible, they're going to spend eternity separated from God. They desperately need Jesus. And some of you have done mission work in some of the Islamic countries and stuff, and you know, you know a couple things. You know how desperately the countries need Jesus. You also know the amazing thing that God does when he actually touches one of those former Muslims with the faith. And they, I mean, to them, they're, they're pretty much giving up everything to come to Jesus. But when they know the truth, it's an amazing thing that God does. So when, when you look at this litany of things that goes on here, we, we, we like to categorize it and say, well, certainly a sodomite and this and that and the other thing. How horrible that is. But for some reason, the church has lost the sense of how horrible, bad, false doctrine is. And it will send people to hell. You put your faith in that which is false and you will spend eternity separated from God. We've got to, we've got to realize that. And so if we look at these, at these different um, articles of the Muslim faith as we close out our study on Islam, uh, again, I just want to remind you of what they're saying. And it's not, there are some things that they say that sound pretty close as you look at these six articles. There are some of these things, I would say, there, there are some things in, in some devout um, Muslims that I find admirable about their commitment in things, you know. Uh, but unfortunately, they're committed to the wrong thing. And you need to be set free from that. So I want you to get that. So let's, let's do this. Let's, let's begin looking at, at these six articles of, of the Muslim faith. And uh, we'll just take them one at a time. The first one is, of course, it's interesting that this first one seems to be the first one of the pillars also. The belief in one God. You say, well, that's good. We believe in one God. Well, not only do we believe in one God, but according to the scriptures, the demons believe in one God and they tremble. So the belief in one God is not enough. 
And as we've talked about, the God that they call Allah has no relationship to the God of the Bible. Again, I don't want you to get into a, an argument over, over language with somebody. It just goes, it goes nowhere. Let them define, let their own book define who they believe Allah is. So in Islam, there's only one God, Allah, the Supreme and the Eternal, the Merciful and the Compassionate, the Creator and Provider. He is God of all beings and there is none like Him. That's their statement that goes along with this first article. Now, when you think about Allah, they, here, here's, some, here's some quotes that goes along with this thing. They say, we believe in Allah's divinity. He is the Lord, the creator, the sovereign, the manager of all affairs. Again, we talk about God. We wouldn't have any, con- uh, any uh, conflict with that about our own God, would we? About the one true God. He is all those things that they say. We believe in Allah's lordship, that he is the true God, and every other deity is a false god. Again, that statement for our God would be true, too. We believe there's one God. We believe God reveals himself to us as God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But we don't believe in other deities, do we? So I would say to you, when you look at the God of the God of the Koran, he's not God at all. He's not another deity that's competing with the one true God. Paul even talks about these false gods as being demons. When you talk about the God of the Latter-day Saints, they call him God. But when you find out what they mean by that, he's not the one true God. He's a false God. Same with the Jehovah Witness. We can go right on down the list of the things that, that we've looked at. Okay, So, their God is Allah. They believe in that one God. They believe in his oneness. Okay, They believe that, that, that he has no associate. This is how they put it. He has no associate in his divinity. So there is a complete denial of the Trinity when it comes to the Muslim faith. They do not believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. They do not accept that teaching concerning Jesus Christ. They do not believe that the Holy Spirit is God, the Trinity. They would say, they would say that, that the Holy Spirit, from their point of view, would be something like similar even to the Jehovah Witness in the sense of, of, of it would be the essence of God, the, the, the presence of God type thing. Okay? Both Islam, Islam and Jehovah Witnesses are what's called monotheistic people. Okay, one God, one God only, and they are strictly monotheistic uh, in what in what they teach. Uh, they teach that His name is holy. Allah is a holy name to them. When they talk about their one God, they they severely believe. I'm, I'm going to say this again. They severely believe that He's holy, and they believe that any statement against Allah, like the statements that I've made tonight are a direct blasphemy against God and is punishable by death. This is not a small thing. And some people think that that's only the radicals. Well, I would say to you, in many cases, it is only the radicals that actually carry these things out. But the faith itself teaches that you do not blaspheme Allah. And if you blaspheme Allah, then it's punishable by death. It's a severe thing. It's a severe thing to say that Allah is not God. Or to... To, to say that he's not the one true God in their, in, in their belief. They, and when they teach the Koran, which is their, their holy book, they say that we, te- we believe that the Koran is Allah's direct words. Now, this is how Allah got his words to the prophet. And when, they, when you ever read in, in Islamic writings, when they say the prophet, they mean Muhammad. 
They got the direct words to Muhammad through Gabriel. So Gabriel took God's words, conveyed them to Muhammad, and Muhammad uh, scribed them and put them into the book, the Quran. So not only because, and, and you see, you've got to get this, because they believe that the Quran is God's direct word, they hold the Quran as something very sacred. And again, the any accusation against the Quran, any uh, saying that the Quran is not the word of God, any destruction of the Quran is again punishable by death. Very severe. This is not a small thing. So the first, the first of their articles ties in with their first of their pillars, and that is. Remember the first pillar when it talked about that there's only one God and his name is Allah and he has one prophet and his name is Muhammad. So now we have this first of, of the articles that the belief in only one God. A complete, you have to understand, it is, it is in complete conflict with the biblical teaching of the Trinity. So you have to decide again. They deny the deity of Jesus Christ. Is that important? Is that important to you? Okay. The second thing, which I found interesting as I studied these six articles, it talks about the, the belief in the books of God. Not just one book, but please remember, one book has supremacy over all other books, and all other books have been corrupted in the mind of the, of the Muslim. All other books have been corrupted in the mind of the Muslim. And the Quran brings clarification to all the other books. So the... It, the Quran sets above all the other books. And now it's interesting. Not only the Quran, not only does the Quran set above all the other books and brings clarification over all the other books, this is an interesting phenomenon. The Quran brings clarification and correction to the Quran, which is kind of incredible when they say the Quran is a perfect book. But the point is, the later surahs, the later articles that are written, hold more authority than the earlier ones. And so when you find, and you will if you study the Quran, when you find conflict in the Quran, the one, the portion that has the most authority is, are the later ones that, that, that were written. Interesting? How do you claim something to be a holy book, and yet the holy book needs correction? Well, yeah. Yeah. But, and, and, and what, I want you to think about this. Again, even the statement denies the what we believe to be true about the Scripture. Infallible, perfect, the very Word of God. Okay? So when they believe in the books, the Muslims believe in all revelation sent by God to his prophets. There's a quali- And I just gave you that qualifier. The qualifier rests in, in both the purity of the book and that that book is interpreted through the Quran, but also there's a second qualifier here. As given through his prophets... And we talked about this last week, and I'll talk about it here again. It's one, of, it's one of these articles. Is that not every prophet is equal? Now, I want you to understand that. Would you would you say that at least in the quality of what they said, that scripturally every 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 prophet is equal? You understand what I'm saying? Now, I know you can quote the thing that says there was no greater prophet than than Elijah. And John the Baptist, you know, when Jesus said that. Talk, I think that more talks about the impact and the things that, that God gave him. But I'm talking about whatever God gave a prophet, 
would you agree that whatever, if it really, if they really were a prophet of God and it came from God, that the that there would be equality in the message as to the importance of the message and to the quality of the message? Would you agree with that? So when you say minor prophet, you don't mean that this prophet is less important or less inspired than a major prophet, do you? You hold, we hold, that if, if someone is a prophet, that that prophet, and I'm getting ahead of myself, so I'll, I'll try not to repeat when I get down here, but it hit me right now, so I'm going to hit you with it, okay? <laughs> we hold that if someone is a biblical prophet, that whatever they receive from God is God's word, and it requires that that word be 100% correct, because God cannot give a false message, okay? Islam does not hold that. They hold prophets at different levels, even in the messages that they give, because, again, they would say that all prophets' message, like, like all, all books' message are clarified and corrected by the Koran, all prophets' messages are clarified and corrected by Muhammad. Right? So, so, but look at the list that they have here. They have the Torah of Moses, the scrolls of Abraham, the Gospel of Jesus, the Psalms of David, and the Quran of Muhammad. Now, interesting, all but one of those things are part of our Bible. But they would tell you that, that this Bible you hold in your hand or in your lap right now is corrupt. It has been corrupted by the Jews, and it has been corrupted by the Christian church. By the Jews and by the Christian church. It's very interesting how in high regard they hold Abraham. But they don't hold Abraham in high regard as being the father of Israel, but as the father of Islam. And even Moses' writings, uh, I don't know how they get around it, but they hold his writings as very high too, and they, and they tie that in, in, and clarification of that, in with, with Islam. So, they want, they want you to know that the Torah has been, been revealed uh, to Moses, it is the greatest among the Israelite books. That's what they teach. Kind of interesting. The gospel which Allah revealed to Jesus. It's not the gospel of Jesus in the sense of who he is and what he did, but it is the gospel that Allah revealed to Jesus, who to them is Jesus the prophet. Everybody got that? Not Jesus the Son of God, not Jesus God, not even Jesus Messiah, but Jesus the prophet that, that Allah revealed to. And, uh, and, and it is, they say that the gospel is a confirmation of the Torah and it, and it complements the Torah. The psalm which Allah gave to David, they believe the tablets of Abraham and Moses. And then finally they, they, it's interesting now as they describe the Quran, they say, and the glorious Quran which was revealed to his, to his prophet Muhammad. You can, again, you can see the distinction that they make there, the hierarchy that they put there. Um, this is what they say about the Koran. The Koran is confirming the scripture that was before it and stands as a guardian over it. Thus, by the Koran, all abrogated all the, excuse me, thus by the Koran, all abrogated all the previous books. Allah has also guaranteed its protection from any play or mischievous dis distortion. Which is an interesting statement because the Quran has been revised at times. 
It's kind of like the Book of Mormon. It's supposed to be perfect. Yet, if you got an original Book of Mormon, you compared it to one you could get today at a Mormon bookstore, they do not say the same thing. They do not say the same thing. Um, here's what they say about previous scripture. Although they revere it, again, in the right thing. So the previous scriptures were meant for a limited period that ended, that ended with the revelation of the Quran. And all of them have been distorted and changed. That's why they were not protected. They underwent distortion, additions, and omissions. That's how they view the Bible. Okay? So, they do say they believe in these books, but again, qualification. The next thing, the third of their articles. We'll move through this one probably pretty quick. Belief in angels. They do believe in angels. Okay? Angels are pure and spiritual, obedient beings created by God to fulfill His commands, and they worship Him tirelessly. I don't think we'd have much problem with that with that view. Okay? Muslims believe in all the angels. For instance, the angel Gabriel, who brought the Koran to Muhammad, we might have some problem with that. And the angel of death, who takes away life out of a person, and also the angels of battle. Um, and we may have some problem with that. I hope you have some problem with that. The angel of death. I know Cecil B. Mills called it that, but that's not what the scripture teaches about that. Uh, we, don't, we don't hold to an angel of death in that sense. Um, or the angels of battle in the sense, and they would say battle for the Koran, battle for Islam, these who stand up for them. They say that we believe in the, in the existence of angel, the angels of Allah, and they are honored servants of Allah's. And they, they say that angels have a couple of functions. First of all, some angels are in charge of questioning the dead after they arrive to their last resting place or abode. So I guess that's an assignment that some angels have. They're, they're there to question the dead. Okay? And then some angels are there to look after the dwellers of paradise. So they're going to question the damned, and they're going to look after those who go to paradise. Right? So basically the functions of the angel, they serve God, they worship God, they are the messengers of God, they are the inquisitors of the unbelievers, and they are the protectors of the believers in eternity. What do they need protection for in paradise? I have no idea. I have no idea. All right, the next one. Belief in the prophets of God. Are you getting all this? I know it's a lot of information to do in a short time, uh, but I hope that, again, you take this, this with you. I want you to have a taste of this so you get it. The next, the next uh, article is a belief in the prophets of God. And I've already touched some on this, so here's what they say. Muslims must believe in all the messengers and prophets of God, such as Adam, Noah, Moses, Solomon, Jesus, and Muhammad who were human beings endowed with his revelations and appointed by God to teach mankind how to worship and obey Allah. So their purpose is, these, these prophets of God are to teach mankind how to worship and how to obey Allah. Um, they talk about these messengers, and they, they talk about the first and the last messengers. They say that we believe in the first among the mess- we believe that the first among the messengers is Noah. 
And the last is Muhammad. So there's no other messenger that's supposed to come forward. Muhammad is the last messenger to the Islamic people. They grade the messengers, as I said earlier. We believe that the best among the messengers is Muhammad. They not only grade Muhammad, but listen how they do the next thing. Then Abraham, then Moses, then Noah, then Jesus, son of Mary. They teach, as I already said, that the messengers are human beings. Uh, a couple other things. Uh, we talked about Jesus, and I just want to remind you, what did Allah say, Allah supposedly say about Jesus? That he, Esau, Jesus, was no more than a slave. We granted our favor to him, and we made him an example for the children of Israel. So this, this was what Allah supposedly said. That's in Surah 4359, if you ever want to look that up. Um, they, when they teach about the prophets, the prophets' true message is this, that the true religion of Allah is Islam. No other religion is accepted of Allah. There's so much more. I've got pages, and I've sort of just marked some of these things. The fifth, the fifth of the uh, articles is a belief in Judgment Day. So look at, you've got five so far. Belief in one God, belief in the books of God, belief in angels, belief in the prophets of God, belief in the Judgment Day. The judgment, the day of judgment and hereafter are essential beliefs in Islam. You've heard about the motivation of judgment and the hereafter, even for those who would, who would go into jihad and who would, who would sacrifice themselves in order that they might gain, uh, ranking and privileges in paradise. Okay? Um, so the day of judgment and the hereafter are essential beliefs in, in Islam. Life on this earth is just temporary, while life in the hereafter is forever and will never end. And we wouldn't have any problem. We agree with that, too. Okay? Those who have done good deeds and obey Allah while living on earth will be rewarded paradise. But those who have did otherwise will be punished in hell accordingly. Now, if you haven't noticed, this is one of the things that separates even Islam apart from Jehovah Witnesses, apart from uh, basically... Um, even, even the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints the other, and the, the, the metaphysical cults that we look at and stuff, and that is a belief in hell. They do believe in eternal hell. They do believe that people will suffer there forever. They hold that belief. And they hope, but, but notice what they say about how someone gains interest in the paradise. What is it? You, you must be obedient to Allah while living on earth, and you must do good deeds which again is contrary to the message of the gospel. It's not our good deeds. It's not even, it, you know, it, it, it's by the grace of God that we're saved. And good deeds are, are not what, what gain us salvation. Good deeds are what follow us once we are saved and once Christ is, is, is the Lord of our life. Uh, they do believe in resurrection. They say we believe in resurrection, which is all of bring it to life, uh, all of bring it to life, all the dead, uh, when they, the word that they use here, Israel blows a horn for the second time. So they do believe in, in, the, in the resurrection of the dead. It says, people will stand up from their graves, answering the call of the, of the Lord of the worlds. 
They are going to be barefoot, naked, and uncircumcised. They believe in a record and scales theology. Do you know what a record and scales theology is? You've got the idea of a, and I've had people even tell me this, you know, Tony, I've done, I've done far more good in my life than I've done bad. So when God weighs out my life, my scale is going to show that I've done more good than bad. So certainly God will let me into heaven because of that. So that's a record and scales uh, theology. And uh, they, they hold to that. We believe in the records of deeds that will get, be given to people in their right hand and behind their back in their left hand. And that's, they're going to carry these before the Lord, before Allah, and they're going to give them to Allah, and Allah is going to tell them that they are, that they are uh, accepted. They say we believe in the scales of deeds, which will, which will be set on the day of judgment, and no soul shall be wrong. Now think of, the idea of scales is this. Always, a scale gives you what you deserve. That's why you weigh it out. And that's what they're saying. No soul is going to be wronged. God's going to weigh everything out. Allah's going to weigh everything out. And those who measure up are going to be accepted into paradise. And those who do not measure up will be cast into hell. Okay. But, let's suppose, and there's always a good thing here, I guess. Let's suppose that uh, your deeds did not quite measure up. Maybe you didn't live a good life and finally you came to the faith of Islam, maybe later on in life. So they also teach what is called the prophet's intercession. And so there's a possibility that if you have really turned yourself over to Islam, and maybe as you weigh these things out, because you've lived more life away from Islam than you have with, and you don't have the, the, uh, the deeds to measure out good or measure out strong, then there is a possibility that the Prophet Muhammad will stand up and intercede for you and somehow Allah will listen to Muhammad and you will gain interest into heaven. Okay? They believe in paradise. They say we believe in paradise and hell. Paradise is the abode of enjoyment which no eye has ever seen or ear has ever heard or human being has ever even thought of. That's how they think of, of paradise. Hell is the abode of punishment which Allah has prepared for the unbelievers and the evildoers. The torture and horror cannot be imagined. Paradise and hell are existing now and they never perish according to their theology. Alright, let's look at the last one, article of faith. Believing in God's will. Another way you might put this is the belief in faith and defined degree. You will hear a practicing Islam or practicing Muslim, he will, he will use this term over again, if Allah wills it. If Allah wills it. They are extreme in their belief of predestination. Yet, as you read their teaching, at the same time, they're extreme in their, desti- uh, their, 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 their teaching of predestination, yet within the realm of predestination, man has free will. I don't even know how that works. And even studying, I can't figure out what they mean by it. But they believe uh, that in divine decree, and they believe in predestination, God has measured, God has planned out everything that happens, is happening, and will happen. 
In Islam, Muslims must understand that if we have a will to do something, it does not always happen, but if, here's that little statement, if Allah wills, it will definitely happen. A simple example of this belief is a frequent phrase, a phrase, if God wills, which regards a planned action. So basically what they teach is that nothing happens that God did not decree. There basically is no, ultimately, is no free will in man except for at the point of accepting or rejecting Islam. That would be the only thing where they have this little uh, little open area. Okay? Yet, whether you accept or reject Islam, whatever else happens in your life, it's because God decrees it. So basically, they, they want to say that they believe in free will, but they actually don't believe in free will. Everything is predestined. Everything is decreed. Everything happens because Allah wills it. And that includes anything bad that happens. But they have approached their theology by saying this. Nothing evil that happens is because of Allah. Yet anything that happens, happens because Allah wills it. Now start, you can start throwing that together and see how that works for you. Okay? Uh, which again is even my problem with even in, I'm just told this out, my Christian faith of those who are hyper, hyper predestination people, hyper Calvinistic people and stuff. You know, if you really believe all the, all that hyper Calvinism stuff, then you must, you must also decree that God is the originator of sin and that's just not possible. That's just not possible. They would have to say the same thing. So, let me just throw this out to you and we'll close this up in our study of Islam, which I'm ready to be done with this, i got to tell you. Uh, getting this ready this week just was not fun. I'm just going to throw that out to you. Uh, so we looked, at, we looked at the five pillars and, and we, we found out that you must believe in, in those five pillars in order to be a Muslim. Okay? And everything those five pillars teach. We looked at the Quran, their holy book, which supersedes any other book. We've looked at God, Allah. To them is this monotheistic being. He has no son. There is no Holy Spirit. We've looked at Esau, which is their name for Jesus. And Jesus is nothing but a prophet, and he's not even one of the, he's not even one of the top five prophets. He is not the Son of God. He did not die on the cross for our sins. He is not Messiah. And now we come to these six articles. And, and, and again, the belief in one God, which is all a belief in the books. Again, the books are graded with the highest being, being uh, the Quran. Belief in God's angels, who are not only messengers like the Bible says, not only ministers like the, like the Bible might say, but they would also say the inquisitors of the damned and the protectors of those who have received uh, the promise of paradise. The prophets of God, each of those are graded just like the books are graded. And Muhammad, of course, would be the highest prophet. He is the prophet. When they say the prophet, they always mean Muhammad. By the way, they do not, even, they do not just consider it blasphemous to speak out against Allah. They consider it to be blasphemous, even though they call him deity, to speak out against Muhammad. And if you remember in the first pillar of the faith, you must believe that Allah is God and Muhammad is his prophet. You must believe in both of those things. 
They believe in a judgment day, but their judgment day consists of a measuring out of a person's deeds as to whether or not they did enough good or enough bad. Okay, But again, even if you were a good person, but you did not hold to the articles of, 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 of Islam or the pillars of Islam, you're not going to heaven anyway. Okay, that's the only way that you can get to, get to heaven. And finally, they believe in a God who has decreed everything that happens, whether it be good or whether it be bad. You have an outline of Islam. You hopefully can see that it is not biblical. Not only that, hopefully you can see how desperately these people all over the world, the fastest growing religion, the largest number of people in a religious body that exists on this world, are Muslims. And they need Jesus. It's growing not only in the other parts of the world. Europe is being inundated with the Islamic faith. And our own country is being inundated in the Islamic faith. We were in, I just throw this out to you, just, it's amazing how you start seeing stuff. And you, we were in Minnesota last week and we decided to go to the, to the mall there. Uh, it wasn't the big mall, but it was a mall in Rochester. And we were minority. We, it's the first time in America saw, I saw this, a lady in a full burqa. I saw a lot of ladies with scarves and things like that, you know. But the first time in American Swell, I saw a lady with the full burqa. The only thing was, was a little eye slot there. And uh, so even the landscape of our country is changing. So we can see them as a threat. And, and you say, well, that, that may be a legitimate way to look at them. Or we also could see, but we also could see them as a mission field. Precious souls that need Jesus. Okay? But you can't pacify them. You can't act like it, there's no difference because there is a difference. There is a difference. Questions or comments before we close up? Yeah. Oh, so they find that they feel that if you don't, where does it say, it must say in the Quran that if you don't believe in Allah as the supreme being, therefore you have to die? Yeah, uh, and again, it depends on the imam that you re- listen to. They would say that they would say that it teaches that, that they need to either be changed by by truth or changed by force. The word jihad, and some imams actually use the word jihad as as a as an active way to uh, proselyte people. That's what they mean by it. While other ones use the word as actually they either convert or die. Now, I just want, can I just throw this out to you? Islam was not the first group that became good at this. The Christian church has its own history of those who did the same thing. But the reason that you saw all those foreign-looking people in Rochester at the Mayo, because the, the predominant Mayo Clinic is there, more, is more famous and has even better doctors up there than we have in our Mayo Clinic here, and all these wealthy people from around the Middle East and so forth, these oil sheiks and so forth, can afford to come to Rochester. Well, I'm sure that's, I'm sure that's true, but I, I, these did not look like people that were there for, they were families. Well, they bring their families. I know, but I'm talking about they were residents, not necessarily coming for treatment and stuff. So I mean, it was very clear they were raising their kids, families, and had their kids all running around with them and stuff like that. 
I know that the Muslims only can come to the services and those communities up there, they have their own communities there, they have a mission. Very strong up there. But I have a question. Yeah. What is the percentage of converts from say the Christian faith or Mormon? What is the convert rate people that convert to to Muslim? And what is the procedure for because I, I, other than some athletes, professional athletes that converted to, to Muslim, I don't really know that I've ever seen anybody recruit someone. Yeah, yeah I, I think the person, you're talking about the procedure, the person has to make have a desire and set into the teachings. You know, it happens a lot in the prison system today. Um, and in some of the more metropolitan areas where the mosques are. And I think it, a lot of it happens with people being like investigative about what it is. And they go in, they listen and stuff. Uh, and I don't know the rate but from Christian from Christianity to that. But remember that for many people, are, their Christianity is merely a, uh, a social statement rather than a, a real conversion. You know, so those types yeah. Yeah, it was Qaddafi who said, who, who's not with us any longer, but uh, it was Qaddafi who said that his, his plan was when they went to, to, to Europe was to, to breed them out. So, someone else had a hand. Tim, do you have something? Yeah. I remind you this. Just think of some words that you never heard of 15 years ago. That's all you really have to do. Allah was not even a big thing 15 years ago. Ramadan? Sharia? Habub? Habub! I was raised in Arizona and never heard of a Habub until a couple of years ago. We only just called it a death storm. That's that's Arizona death storm. The point is the 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 influence is here in our own country and stuff, and uh, and it is a mission field. That's what I want to encourage you to remember. All right, did you have six fifteen in the morning? Okay. So it will be four fifteen.